I want to say hello to Dick and Lori Perry in Florida. Hope you guys aren't sweating too badly. We certainly aren't here. All right, thank you all for uh, being here tonight. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, you are... You are Pantocrator, the ruler of all things, ruler over the universe. You are beyond our imagination. And yet in our complacency and our familiarity with you, and by your grace, we do know you better than any other part of creation on this planet. That's the way you designed it. But yet you are still the grand Mysterion, the great mystery. Thank you for being with us tonight, O oh Lord. And just thank you for the way that you have always had your hand upon this great body here. We just love you. And just thank you for sending us a Savior. Lord, help us tonight as we seek your face. For we are ever before you. And it is by your mercies lavished upon us that we are here tonight. Thank you, Lord. Be pleased to visit us, perhaps in a special way, even with your Holy Spirit this night. For your glory and praise always, amen. I want to begin with a reading from Scripture, from the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul, chapter 1, beginning in verse 25. This will not be up on the wall. What It was? If it was, it was the wrong passage, so that's all right. <laughs> of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we proclaim him, admonishing every man and reaching every man with all wisdom, that we may present every man, which means everyone, complete in Christ. Skipping a few verses. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That is a pretty good summation, I would say, of my tenure here as the pastor of faith. It began a long time ago on Rice Rips Road with this beautiful little duplex <laughs> that uh, as you go down Rice Rips right now, there's a whole new front end sticking way out, which was one of our uh, additions to it, as well as the building was lifted entirely up in the air another nine inches so that we could get an auditorium in the basement 
um, which was already like walking in, you know, to a cave with the real low ceiling. And so the nine inches just really made a, a great difference and the Lord blessed that every step of the way. And then, as you know, one crazy day, my wife said, you know, the cinema's for sale. <laughs> and we were only weeks away from breaking ground on the Marston Road. Again, out in the boonies of Waterville. And so we looked into that, and uh, instead of the sign we had on that little wintergreen building, that became our new home sign. Oh, look at the... <laughs> I didn't even notice the movies. <laughs> rated R, rated R, rated R. I said, okay, well... Over the years, anyone uh, familiar with uh, my column and the people, they, them, and those out there, and then those in the church that have come and gone would probably have rated many of my messages are uh, declaring their own uh, personal disapproval of the things that uh, have emanated from behind this pulpit. All of which is to say that in God's grand scheme of things, which is still mysterious to us, the Sunday after Easter will be my last Sunday in this pulpit. And as you know, we have been working extremely hard for many years to make sure that there would be a clean, as clean as possible of transition is... uh as reliably could be done. And I am at least, for all of my uncertainties and my own human frailties, I can stand here with a clear conscience that unlike talking to a good friend of mine who is a consultant with Vision New England, as I was talking to him over the last several many weeks and months, a legacy pastor, which is what a pastor of long term is called, walked into his pulpit in New York on Sunday morning and said, I'm done. No warning, no planning, no nothing. Leaving a congregation just totally up in the air, having no idea of which way to go or how to proceed. And that just is an an unconscionable way of doing anything in life, much less caring for the flock that God's entrusted to them and us and all of us who share the ministry of the word of God intending to the sheep. Tonight we're gathered as Christ's body, just as the Apostle Paul declared to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And since Jesus went back to heaven We, and not just we in this room, but the church universal all over the world for all time since Jesus rose from the dead and went back to heaven, we are the actual body of Christ on earth. I don't mean literal, you understand that, but we now are that body of Christ on earth since he has gone back to be with the Father. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to be affecting his work and his plans for his kingdom. And what we have to remember is that the prime center or the target or the bullseye for us, the body of Christ on earth here at faith, is to have etched on the frontals of our foreheads, to use that Jewish um, allusion there, is the focus 
that the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Colossians in chapter 1, verse 17. This will be up on the wall now. He is before all things. That is, Jesus is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And here it is. So that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And that is why we exist, every one of us, regardless of our station in life. If we are a Christ follower, it is to love Jesus and to make him known to those who do not yet know him. In this time in the life of faith, the manner in which this body goes through this particular season of change will be a testimony, and I am absolutely confident that it will be a testimony of good to many people, both believers and to unbelievers alike, and all that the reality of what it means to be the body of Christ on earth will be beheld by all. Paul again writes to the Ephesians saying, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Before Barbara, before I have Barbara come on up here and we open this time up for questions from you to Barbara and me. Let me mention some very broad and non-binding pieces of information about the future of the work of Christ in and through Faith Church. Sam Huggard, who is the New England District Superintendent, is going to be meeting with the shepherding team in just a few weeks. And he will be there um apart from my, me and Pastor Brent being in that meeting so that uh, the elders will have uh, uninhibited um, access to the district superintendent as he imparts his wisdom to them on helping this church to navigate the waters of change at such a time and how to go through them um, as smoothly as possible. So that tonight all I'm going to do is mention three possible scenarios which are in the hands of the membership of this church. So no matter what anybody has in their mind, meaning at leadership level, at my level, or anything else, the fact of the matter is our being a congregational church is that the congregation has the full and final authority to determine how things will be done concerning the succession to the senior pastor or lead pastor of this church. So I'm going to mention very, again, very briefly, these are really not for elaboration um, because this is just kind of capsulated to give you just a sense that um, this is being thought through. It's going to be beat around with, uh, again, at the shepherding team level and then at the congregational level when some of the ideas are ready to be explained in better detail after, again, getting some consultation by men who have been through this before with other churches. So the first possibility of the scenarios, which, again, are in the hands of the congregation, the first one is by congregational protocol as stipulated in the bylaws, Pastor Brent, whom you know, we have been uh, mentoring, we've been training up and raising up for this time to be able to take this church through this season, whatever that looks like, again, as determined by the congregation. Pastor Brent could be called without much ado to be the next lead pastor 
again, by congregational acclaim. That's one possible scenario. The second possible scenario is that by congregational protocol, Pastor Brent could throw his hat into the ring as an applicant according to the traditional methodologies utilizing a search team methodology, as this church has done in the past, um, although, although it's been a long time because uh, along the way we had determined, and by your good graces um, and the leadership, uh, enabled me, um, with many years' service already to the church and an established track record, um, gave me the privilege and the prerogative of uh, hiring and firing, to put it in business terms, to acquiring the staff of faith um, apart from the congregational authority. However, that being said, it was always and is always the congregation's authority to seriously do whatever it chooses to do, provided it is by the protocols of the bylaws and have sufficient vote to do whatever they want. I'm merely trying to give you the confidence that nobody is trying to push anything on anybody. And uh, again, this whole process will be developed to bring about um, truly an absolute unified um, going forward, which is the only way to go forward in, in honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. The third protocol or possible scenario is that Pastor Brent, by congregational uh, protocol again, is named the interim lead pastor for a designated period of time. Just for example, perhaps one year. And at the end of that time, the congregation would then call a vote to either call him permanently as my replacement, or they could include him in a search process from that point on, like I mentioned previously, or some other iteration of what the congregation determines. So again, that's why I say these are only three possible scenarios of how things could go forward. Um, there are many other iterations I'm sure that could be developed. Uh, what I just mentioned is not at all exhaustive. Just some ideas to be thinking and praying about for when the elders come back for the official follow-up meeting. Again, probably sometime after uh, the district superintendent has met with them to determine whom the church called faith will face with the new future. I'll have uh, a few more things to say um, on the whole line there of uh, succession, but right now I'm going to ask Barbara to come on up. She's been waiting. I think she's she's going to actually sing her answers to the congregation. <laughs> and what we'll do is um, we'll just open it up, ask your question loudly. I will repeat the question for the sake of uh, FaceTime Live, which, by the way, um, this is FaceTime Live, which means it will be accessible to anybody who is not here what Facebook, sorry, not FaceTime, Facebook Live, excuse me, um, for anybody who wants to be able to see what and hear what took place tonight. So what are your questions? I know you have a lot or not. Okay, then we'll pray and go home. No, stay there.
I, yeah, it's kind of hard to see. Yeah. Hi, Laura. Laura. Yeah. Um, so are you retiring? Am I retiring? Retiring is a strange word, okay? Are we going somewhere else? We have no plan. And that is one element of what has made this so very difficult. Um, I'm at the age where I can retire. We are making preparations to retire because you have to have an income of some stripe. Um, All I can say is we are truly open and desirous and waiting and looking for whatever the Lord would have us to do, but we have no plans, nor do we have desires, candidly, to leave central Maine. Um, And, you know, we, you know, Nicaragua and the ties there in Nicaragua, and we still have interest in doing ministry down there, especially in January, February, and March. (laughs) Just coincidental. Um, but we, we really have no idea, which that's a first for our lifetime. And I like the way Barb put it to me several weeks ago or months ago is that in our lifetime, every big decision we've had, it was always go here. This is just go. And that's pretty intimidating. Um, last night, At bedtime, as I'm ready to turn the lights out, Barb says, are you sure about this? Yeah, you said that out loud. And I'm like, what do you mean? Am I sure about this? You know, no. And strangely, I am. And yet... Um, People uh, have seen me reacting to this, the, those that we've had to tell about it and everything else. And it's like, are you, you know, what, are, first, of, first of all, the big question has been, are you physically and emotionally well? <laughs> I go, okay, those are two separate questions. <laughs> physically, yes, absolutely. Emotionally, uh, no, uh, because... Sorry, I hate to be so stinking sappy, but this has been our family and our life for 28 years. And one of the hardest things that we have been told, though I understand it and it makes perfect sense, is that we, for the sake of the church, and again, I totally understand it, need to completely absent ourselves from this place for six months to a year. And... That's a hard one to take. But yes, um, I'm sure about the timing. And I guess I'm supposed to be excited about what waits on the horizon. But no, right now I'm not excited. But I know I will be when the Lord finally speaks. Greg. If we are still in the area, and again, we have no desires or plans to leave, I can't fathom not. And in fact, we've already talked about 
I shouldn't be telling you this, plans to come in by the B. Lee Center, go up the stairs, come around, have two seats up at the windows, and we will be joining you in worship, but maybe not. I'm sorry. Come back as a, like if we are if we are here, we're coming back here. That's my heart's desire, and it would have to be loud and clear for something else. Love you too, Grady. Jim. I do. Bless your heart. As good as that sounds and as appreciative as I am of that, and I'm, I think I could probably say that that's would be a lot of people's attitude. Um, human nature is still human nature. And in a church that is going through this kind of a transition, um, I truly see the necessity I'm not saying six months or a year, but I'm seeing the necessity of an absolute clean break for a season, whatever that season is. I mean, that just makes sense. So, you know, 24, 48 hours, I think. Would... <laughs> Kim. No. And the re, and you know, yeah. You know, part of me wants to say, well, of course I will. Um, but no. And, and for no other reason that this church has to move on from me and all that that means. It really does. Or easier, depending on your perspective. <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh, sorry. Yes. The question was that I already answered was would I be basically available to offer um, counsel, advice, etc., to the leadership here at the church? And the answer was no. For the sake of the church. Any questions for Barb? Question was, is she going to be able to put up with me? He is the cutest little pastor. <laughs> you can't go away. I'm sure there's going to be follow-up no, to that. No questions. I can, I can answer from my chair. Okay. 
Yeah, Greggy. The question was, are they allowed, are you allowed to contact me on Facebook, Messenger, PM? If I was on Facebook, you probably could. But I'm not on Facebook, as you all know. Um, I will tell you this. Uh, I don't want to be incommunicado. I don't want to be cut off, okay? But I will promise you that any kind of message of any nature having to do with anything with the church, the process, the workings, the this and that's, the this and what do you think about? It's going to be, I ain't saying anything. So what's next? I ain't saying anything. Oh, not necessarily. Only this time it'll be on you. Now, if you see me out by, you know, the intersection there at the Walmart turn-in with the sign that says, can you spare 10 bucks for a Starbucks, you'll know it's me. (laughs) Uh, Seth, yes, I'll be able to play more golf. Okay, the question is, as far as the, the shepherding team, the search team, if, when, if there is one, and what was the other team names or whatever? Anyway, the, the salient people involved in the process and all that, will they be public? Absolutely. Um, and if for some reason it, that's overlooked as to who they are and, and really put up even on the maybe the Sunday scrolling or something or others, um, that's something w- that should happen and, and would other than somebody just forgetting to do it. So you, you remind us. Oh, okay, so that you can pray for them in particular. Yes, absolutely, for sure. Are the copies available for people to look over? Um, they were, but they were on Hillary Clinton's email server. <laughs> so, yes, of course they are available. All you need to do is uh, probably shoot an email off to uh, Dory, and we'll see that you get a copy of them. Twenty-seven years. <laughs> Actually, uh, and I'm, I am. This is truly serious. My, f- and I, you know, time kind of gets this big blur as the older you get. The question was, how long has this been on my mind? When I was here for six weeks, maybe. Um. One of our little five-year-olds, Jeremiah Wood, uh, got a phone call that he had just kind of fainted on the playground at his school up uh, in uh, Skowhegan or something like that. And um, anyway, to make a long story short, 
Um, he ended up having a heart virus, which destroyed his heart, and he had to go to Boston for a heart transplant. And, you know, I mean, this was, this was my greeting right out of the gate. And along with that, almost right out of the gate, I was doing about 20 hours a week, 20 hours a week of counseling, the variety of which was focused around sexual abuse. And I was ready to throw in the towel at that point in time. And I said to the Lord, I said, I can't do this. Um, <laughs> so then things, you know, you kind of settle into a groove and all. The Lord, you know, is the one who's in charge of all of this. And at the 10-year mark, I started really questioning, maybe my time is up here. Um, I can't tell you exactly why that was at that time, but, you know, I'm sitting there evaluating things, evaluating myself. And, and it was never, honestly, it was never like, you know, what do you want to do? It's like, well, maybe I've, you know, exercised the extent of the level of my leadership for where this church is, and I need to, for the sake of the church, move on. And for one reason or another, that lifted. And then probably six years ago, um, and it wasn't uh, thinking about so much, actually wasn't thinking at all about the when, it was that there is going to be a when. And so because of that, you know, that's when we decided to even start talking at the shepherding team level about a succession plan and what would that look like and how would we do that and we need to have a plan in place. And then, of course, what happened was I start getting these weird symptoms and all and three years of undiagnosis and dying by inches and all of a sudden it's announced that I have this weird uh, leukemia, rare leukemia that is not curable. And so the shepherding team was very understandably wanting to know, are you going to die? <laughs> And I said, basically, we are all going to die, I guarantee it, unless the Lord returns. Um, and so that really kind of, you know, that little slope of succession planning, mentoring, all that kind of went on a very uh, drastically increased rate of uh, transaction um, just for practical reasons because we didn't know. Then probably two years ago or so, uh Barb was having, I could tell there was a change of affect on Barb. And turned out that she had made it known and, you know, very appropriately, very tenderly, as she has always done in her support of me and everything, let me know that basically, you know, if you were to be done tomorrow, that'd be okay with me. And that was, like I say, probably maybe a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I'm not sure. Um and that doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. Uh, but even then, it was like, okay, you know, so noted, not a big surprise at all. Um, and then really this past spring, uh, there was a change in my preparation of sermons. Just, I mean, just my, uh, not in my, in my methodology, which there really is none, <laughs> other than sitting down and opening the text and going, okay, what do we got here, Lord? And... With some reg, with actually a lot of regularity, I would sit there and looking at the text and just going, I've got nothing, nothing. I don't even have an idea. And I'm looking at, uh, we were in First Samuel, of course, and I'm looking at First Samuel. I'm like, okay, I could restate just what I'm going to be reading in the text. That's real exciting and helpful. 
Um, and some days, and I'm very regimented in my process as far as when I'd spend the time to do that and all, and I, I'd put it aside and go, it's just not happening today, and go to the next day. And lo and behold, somewhere in that time, uh, truly, and I don't use the phrase lightly, but the Spirit of God would come on me for that, and something pretty decent uh, would develop. So, I, And I was encouraged by that because I was starting to wonder, Lord, you know, has Ichabod been written? You know, the glory has departed. Uh, that's it. You're done. I'm done with you, whatever it is. And I knew, so I knew he wasn't done with me. But I also knew that something was changing within me. And, you know, I've shared with some people that 28 years here, you know, looking up here today at the, you know, our teens who were in youth ministry, meaning the children's ministries and growing up through the church and seeing all the cool things that are, that have, have happened in this church and have been happening in this church and, you know, being faithful to that mission of raising up, you know, the next generation of believers and all that. I just, I knew how wonderful that was and how great it's been to be a part of that. And yet, over those years, not and yet, like there's something different, but there was a gradual just accumulation of heartache and sorrow, which honestly combined with, uh, you know, my own physical challenges as they were. It's just like I, I got tired of coming into the church because every week I was going to find out somebody else has cancer and it's usually a young person or a child or something. And that, that reach for that, which I willfully took on upon myself before the Lord in my night of horror, which I won't go in here from side effects from chemo and all that. I said, Lord, I'm going to use this for the purpose of ministering to other people. And that reach went outside the walls of this church in some peculiar ways that the Lord just totally arranged. Um, I've buried my best friends in this church. I've buried so many people in this church. Um, and it just kind of takes a toll on you, on you. Um, and I don't know if that, you know, I don't know how big of a part that was in the decision. Like you just can't do it anymore. But. This may be telltale in some way. Just a few days ago, uh, I was sitting in talking with Pastor Brent. And he said to me, have you noticed, and this was just this week, I think, have you noticed how different you have been since you told the shepherding team? And I said, actually, I have. And it was just uh, kind of a, a weight of burden that, not had been lifted, but is lifting. And having made that decision, um, so again, that kind of is affirming to me. And so people have asked me, especially my wife, as I mentioned, you know, are you sure about this? I am sure from an intellectual, put my heart away on the shelf and look at it all. I am sure from that standpoint, but I can't divorce my. can't divorce my heart from the intellectual part of all that goes with the job and everything else. And, uh, 
I just can't do it anymore. So, thank you. I know you do. No, 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 no. Going, getting back on task. Um, the staff cohesiveness that is here at this church, and by staff I don't mean only the paid staff, but the the youth staff, the children's ministries worker, the small group leaders, you know, the shepherding team, the uh, um, <laughs> finance team, uh, you know, the vine, the well. I mean, just. Everything is so, there's just so much unity, which is truly not often the case. And it's been that way for as long as I can remember. And you look again at the effect of children's ministries all the way up through the teens and then into the vine and everything, there's just, uh, I mean, that's just so right. The connect groups, um, the fact that we had a planned transition instead of just, that's it, I can't take it anymore, I'm out of here. Um, we have a healthy budget, a really healthy budget, healthy savings, and we are debt-free. And we have a good succession plan. And... I just can't see how I could possibly leave at a better time or leave this church in a better way, hard as it is. So I'm going to wrap that up. I'm going to, at this time, then call the uh, elders up. And I'll ask you when you come up to um, introduce yourselves. Don't run up here, all of you, at one time. And I, you guys have talked, you've got this range, so I, you know, if, I don't know how you're doing it, if one is, you're all sitting down there till the next one or whatever, but I know, Don, that you're leading things off, so. Good evening, everybody. I'm Don Cole.
horsepower engine auxiliary that worked as a thruster, so it didn't need a tugboat wherever it went to move it away from its pier. And many times the church is referred to as the old ship of Zion. And when you're in it, it just is, it's vast and it's big and it's wonderful. When we went on this uh, cruise, we were allowed to tour behind the scenes. And I'll always remember touring the bridge. The bridge was bigger than our sanctuary. And the captain happened to be an American. He was very easy to talk to. And he guided the ship into an island port and said there was just a few inches under the boat, less than a foot. And the thing was 1,300 feet long. It was 18 stories high. And there was no place to go to sleep at the switch. And it wasn't its final voyage. It was going here to discharge passengers and to take on others. And I think this is the, the image that was rolling around in my brain as I think of uh, Pastor Bill's leadership here. You know, he's been instrumental in the same way that that pilot was, the captain was, you know, guiding a ship, not to its final destination, but to an important destination, and 8,000 souls were in his hands. And Bill has uh, he's been wonderful for Elaine and I. You know, we showed up here 15 years ago uh, from a wrecked church, and he and and Brent, you know, allowed us to come in, and we just thought there was a proper way to leave a church and also a proper way to come. And they gave us some good counsel. I always remember meeting him the first time. He had a ponytail. You know, great guy. But that's the picture I see as a man who has faithfully guided a beautiful ship to a temporary port. The ship's going on to its home port. And we'll always we'll owe this incredible debt of gratitude to the, use your own metaphor, the captain and his first mate, uh, this wonderful couple. So if that sets your heart for Thanksgiving, then join me in prayer. Father, we always uh, depend on you to take our, our, uh, our groaning and make it acceptable. Surely, Lord, it's not in us, uh, but you are pleased in your providence to take our little petitions and carry them to the Father by the Spirit. And, Lord, uh, we are a thankful people if we even stop and think for a moment, thankful for being able to get on board uh, this wonderful ship. Uh, we're thankful for so many things, uh, friends and shipmates that we have met on the way, to see a fine example of a godly marriage uh, for a spiritual man who is a giant to many of us, for all that you have done and brought him through, for the responsible conduct and wanting to uh, make a transition that is God-honoring, that your mission, your gospel would go on from here, knowing that this is not the end, but rather just another temporary point as we go on to our final destination to the glory of God. So, Lord, our hearts are full. 
a little melancholy, but grateful and hopeful. And hope does not disappoint because the Spirit of God has been poured out, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So, bless, we pray. Receive our prayer because we ask it and offer it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jim Higgs is going to come up next. You know, I I look at uh, the church, and about two-thirds of the way back there, this was a movie theater. I was invited to come to a Christian film here. Guess what? They had an altar call, and some young college student led me to Christ. And who would think back then that it would be a church? and that I would be here today. I was at Rice Rips Road for oh, about three years before they had bought this place, and I was just sitting there attending. And I knew when we moved here, a call came out, we're going to need some extra help. Well, I had a few gifts, but I didn't know if they would fit. And what I'm thankful for is that not only uh, serving a great pastor, but when you get an email from him, you can see how big I am. I'm 6'3", was in the military, not afraid of anything. When PV sends you an email, says, Jim, I'd like to see you. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. And uh, come to find out the things that you worry about and serving under leader as PB, you realize how God has really blessed all of us in utilizing him. I'm supposed to pray about the future So what I would like to do, if you're sitting aside of somebody, just hold on to their hand for a few minutes. And what I'd like you to do is, in a silent prayer right now, just pray about the future of this church. And then pray on how we can utilize you in whatever your job may be in the future. So let us take a minute, and then I'll close. Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening and we may have trouble in our heart about what our future may be. But what we can do is we can look in the past and we can see that your hand has guided from the past to now and is also going to guide us in the future. 
Father, let us not be afraid of the future, but let us look to you for guidance, wisdom. We pray that the Holy Spirit, O God, will be on every decision that is to be made, no matter what it is. Our hope, O God, is that many, 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 many more will come to Christ. And we pray that you will continue to use the leadership in this church to help many from hell into the kingdom. Oh, God, we just pray and we turn our life over to you, each one of us. We turn this whole facility over to you as it has been in the past and it will be in the future. We just pray, oh, God, that your hand will be on each one of us. Let the doubts not creep in. Let us pray against those doubts. Let us take the past, apply it to the future. And, oh, God, we just thank you. We praise you that you have and will be with us through whatever changes are going to be made. I believe Pastor Brent is next. It's, hey, nice going. <laughs> I'm not Pastor Brent. I know most of you from the back of your heads over the past 28 years or so. <laughs> I'm Ron Dunbar. I've been around since 1922. I've been an elder since 1900. So. Ah, and I did not know I was supposed to speak tonight, so uh, I'm going to make it short. Otherwise, there will be a... Uh, yeah. What's he say? Yeah, no kidding. Ah, most of you don't know that for, what was it, nine, ten years in a row, we, uh, we were on a SWAT team together. Ten. We would meet, uh, every Saturday afternoon at one o'clock at Rice's Rip. Uh, for those of you who don't do the spiritual warfare thing. Uh, I really don't know what to say about it, except that sometimes it gets pretty heavy. And the church really grew uh, during that time, if I remember right, without everything that was going on all those years. And uh, we had a pretty faithful team. There were a couple of people dropped out. Yeah. I, I've told Bill this more than once, uh, uh, a lot recently, really. I have no idea why this man is still sane at all. And I'm serious when I say that. Because I don't, most of you don't have an idea of how much diligence it takes to stand up here for 28 years. It's unreal. So, I'm going to stop and just say thank you. Uh, it has been a pleasure. So, let's just pray. Father God, uh, we just turn everything over to you in the name of Jesus, and uh, we'd ask that your hand would be uh, on Bill for wherever he goes and whatever he does. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm Brent. I'm the subject of several, uh, uncomfortable subject of some of Pastor Bill's several bullet points earlier. 
covet your prayers, brothers and sisters. All right. Anyway, uh, I trust I'll have an opportunity for more public remarks on what uh, a relationship I've had with Pastor Bill has meant to me and all that it's afforded me. So I won't uh, share that now, but lead us in prayer. And um, I just felt led to pray and thank God for the environment that we've been able to minister in as brothers and sisters in Christ and as co-laborers in the church. And I think that uh, we have a lot to be thankful for um, as we just kind of relish in the environment that we've been provided. So let's take some time and pray for that. Well, Lord, I just, uh, I really do, uh, it seems as though every week I'm having a conversation with somebody about, can you believe we get to do this? And Lord, um, the church that we minister in is far from perfect, but it's perfect to so many of us. It's, um, I often feel like I get to play in a playground that's been built for me. And so, Lord, I know that um, that is not on one man's shoulders. I know that it, it takes more than one man to build a church and to sustain it and things, but it sure helps your cause when it's the right man involved. And so, Lord, I um, am just here thanking you personally for the last 15 years. And thanking you, Lord, for the um, the environment of leadership, the environment of a vigorous wrestling with truth and a proclamation of truth, standing up against all public pressure to do otherwise. We thank you, Lord, for how that leadership has trickled into our various areas of ministry here at Faith. I thank you, Lord, for the boldness of our saints. I thank you for the reach into our community and the souls that continue to come through this church door every single week, visitor upon visitor, lost person upon lost person, knowing, Lord, that, again, the environment that you've built here through the leadership and through the tender hearts of your people here, has created an atmosphere where the lost can hear the truth and that grace is provided, enough grace, Lord, to, for all of us to understand that our sins can be forgiven. And so, Lord, there is a way, we know, a way to be culturally unpopular but still so seasoned and full of grace, and you have blessed us greatly in that area, Lord, and we thank you for it. Lord, may we... Do all we can to preserve that for the future. May this continue to be a lighthouse, truly a lighthouse, Lord, not just some cliche. But a lighthouse as our culture continues to grow dark. That the truth full of grace will always be evident here. Thank you, Lord. Just personally, Lord, I thank you that I've been able to witness that leadership day in and day out behind closed doors, and on stages and in behind pulpits. Consistently and faithfully, Lord, may we all finish in such a fashion. Thank you, Lord, again for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Scott Ludick. Uh, I've been an elder here for over 10 years. Um, Amy and I have been attending church here for uh, about 15 years. 
Um, I think I'd just like to go to prayer. Um, there's so many wonderful things we can say. And Lord, you're the recipient of all those wonderful things that we can say. I, I just... I just got this mental image when we when we stood and applauded that you are truly the audience of that applause. To be sure, Bill and Barb have been such an integral part of your plan here. And we are so thankful for their willingness and their fortitude And we pray for their future. We pray for what's next for them. The good news, Lord, is we know we can trust you. They can trust you. And that is so comforting. We know, Lord, as Bill mentioned, that you are the head of your church. You are the head of your body. And that every single person in this room is a member of that body. Lord, we ask you to please give each one of us, individually and collectively, the ability and the willingness to step up now and take on this responsibility of transition and to let your light shine so that that people see that you are here. And you are the head, and you're the reason. Let it be a testimony to all of us who, yes, we, we feel anxiety, but we know that we can trust you. You will be here with us. Lord, you're outside of time. You've already been there. You've already been where we're going. So we, we know we, we have nothing to fear, and we have only everything to hope for, and how beautiful and comforting that is. Lord, we do lift up Bill and Barb to you, and we ask you to bless them as they take their next steps. Lord, thank you for who you are. We say everything in the name of your Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm Paul Halley. I've been on uh, the elders' board for quite a long time. And uh, in my tenure as an elder, I've observed Bill and uh, just kind of observed his conversations with other people his dealings, how we uh, did things, and I can say one thing, that he's a man of integrity. I really respect him, and uh, he's just uh, guided by the Spirit, I think. And uh, I have had people come to me and ask a question, maybe, uh, some of Bill's decisions. And knowing Bill, I can truly say that... Uh, because of his integrity, because of his honesty, because of his uh, his true uh, desire to serve, to serve the Lord, that his uh, guidance has always been right on. 
And so I just thank you for that, Bill. I appreciate it. So, dear Lord, I come to you in prayer. I pray for the congregation sitting here today. Uh, our next steps are uh, still to be to learn to be learned. Uh, but I pray that each one of us will be praying for the process. Lord, I just uh, know that uh, you've given us a great leader, and uh, he is stepping away. And I have no doubt that there is another great leader in the, in the wings. So, Lord, I just uh, know that each one of us is responsible partially for this church. Uh, each one of us has a job to do, and because of uh, Bill's teaching and guidance over the years, I just know that each one of you will step up to the plate and uh, serve as the Lord has called you to serve. So I just uh, encourage you to be uh, the church. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, guys. Um, John's going to come on up, and he's going to close our time with uh, a song. Sorry? John and his posse.
He is the breath in our lungs. He gives us life, and that life is for him. And the obvious answer to how any pastor endures, it is first and foremost, of course, because of the anointing of God on that individual. The earthy, realistic answer is the power of this my soulmate and my confidant and my human support in every way. And I know you are. You have a great, great deal of thankfulness owed to this woman. So thank you. Father in heaven, we love you. You do have the future so totally in control from the beginning of the foundations of the church. You've assured us that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it has never endured through time because of any human leader, but only by your power and might and your will for the benefit of all those who will inherit salvation. And we thank you for including us in that number. Help us to continue on now in your strength and might. In Jesus' name, amen.